Hello, everybody, and welcome to the uh, bonus edition, uh, August uh, 2021, of the BBB Breaking Blindness Barriers Group. Our group exists to be a system of support and help to people in the blind or low vision community. We have discussions aimed at sharing strategies and information that help us all to overcome and break the blindness barriers that get in our way that uh, make it harder to be independent, be productive, and just in general live a full fulfilling, happy life. So it could be technology. It could be non-technology. We, we talk about it all here and, um, that's what we're all about. So, uh, if anybody listening in a later recording wants to know how to get involved with the breaking blindness barriers group, my name is Julian Vargas and I can be reached at the following email address, help at techjv.com. That's H E L P at T-E-C-H-J-V, J as in John, V as in Victor, dot com. My website is www.techjv.com. That's www.techj as in John, V as in Victor, dot com. And anybody who uh, wishes to uh, make a donation to help offset the cost of running these meetings uh, is certainly welcome to do so. If you go to the website I just mentioned, look at the very bottom of the page. There is a donate button. And feel free to follow it if you so choose. So um, one of the blindness barriers that are going to be challenged today has to do with perception of blind people in uh, the general public, in the media, in movies, on TV, and such. Uh, once in a while, we see blind carrier characters in movies and, and shows, and inevitably, uh we as blind people look at the way that character was was cast and we think oh they they, they should have done this or they shouldn't have done that or no we're you know I, I i blind people can serve themselves blind people can get up and walk around and cross the street without needing someone's assistance uh but also uh, we may also think you know blind people we yes we rely on our hearing a little bit more because it's it it it, it becomes our primary sense in a way but it doesn't mean that we have bionic and x-ray hearing. We can't hear it through a brick wall or, or through a, 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 a lead shield or something like that. <laughs> we don't have that capability. So uh, sometimes, a lot of times, that, that's how we're presented. And um, so it's, it seems to be based more on stereotypes sometimes than actual facts. So when our guest, Darcy McNeil, came to me after seeing a video that I uh, was involved in, on BuzzFeed where I was answering questions that were submitted, I think to Google. They took questions that people type into Google about blindness and they were doing a series where they asked some blind people these questions and I was privileged enough to uh, be one of the people who got to answer some of those questions. He saw some of that video and uh, used my contact info to get a hold of me because he is involved in working on a TV story that is going to have at least one and possibly more blind characters. So we had a wonderful uh, conversation and came to the conclusion that uh, he would be a great guest for uh, breaking blindness barriers. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and give the floor to Darcy McNeil and let him tell us a little bit about himself and what he does and what he's looking to uh, gain from our group. 
and we will uh, we will take it from there. Eventually, he's going to have questions, and there's going to be time to interact. And at such time, uh, we'll open the floor and take uh, requests the way we normally do, where you give your name, wait to be called, and then you speak. So without further ado, go ahead, Darcy, take it away. Oh, that was lovely, Julian. Thank you. Um, that was a great setup. Um, yes, I've really been looking forward to this. Um, hello. Um, I'd just like to see, uh, say a few things in introduction first. Um, I'd just like to echo uh, Julian's thanks um, and double up on gratitude here. It's the middle of the summer. Um, world's kind of crazy. Everybody's got lots on their plate, I know, and I'm sure. And um, I really appreciate uh, each of you setting your time aside um, to share your thoughts, feelings, uh, experiences about all this. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, really appreciate it. Um, tiny bit about myself. Um, I was born and raised, um, in what they say is the traditional unceded territory of Quaquitlam, um, which is known as Coquitlam near Vancouver, way up North British Columbia, Canada. Um, I had a background in providing non-governmental social services, to kids and families, uh, doing a lot of community building and cultural bridge building. Um, and, but today, uh, most of my life, uh, revolves around, um, my work, no, no longer, um, volunteer work, uh, my daughter and my family. Um, I'm, I'm only, this whole thing comes with a big proviso here. Uh, I'm only a writer of very modest ability. I'm no one famous. But um, I've got a story that I'm really excited about. Um, researching and developing it for a TV series, which I plan ultimately on presenting to some top production companies to create for widespread distribution. Um, every story maker always starts out with big ambitions, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I just want to make sure whatever I create, um, whatever characters are part of it, are just as, as genuine, down-to-earth, and, and real as I can make them. Um, I'm still in the preliminary stages of researching. Um, so I think you'll find that I'm quite ignorant on all kinds of things that you might choose to share with me today. Um, and I'm hoping that through this, you can help me rectify that a little bit. Um, I do have a bunch of questions, but, um, I, I think first off, if that's okay with you, Julian, I, I, I think there's enough people that maybe we could take a moment just to get a, a short little, introduction from um everybody um what part of the world uh, they live and anything briefly that they might wish to share okay so um if anybody wants to say something about themselves and by the way let me just say that this is optional it's not required i know that some people participate here and mostly like to listen and not so much speak and that's perfectly okay so anybody who wishes to uh uh answer uh, darcy's uh question uh i ask that you at this point unmute yourself and say your name and one of us will call you and i hear somebody yes and susie okay, okay. so i got chime and susie uh they're first on deck, so everybody else, if you could go ahead and mute yourself again so that we can uh, not have sure. background, that'd be great. So uh, everybody except sure. Chime and anybody except Chime and Susie, uh, please mute yourself. Uh, anybody, we'll take for we'll, after they're done, then we'll take more. So if you're not Chime or Susie, please mute yourself at this time. 
Yeah. Okay. okay, go ahead, Chime. Uh, I'm Chime. I uh, these days live in Sherman Oaks since 2005, California. Uh, I was born in Chicago. I grew, I grew up 20 years in New Jersey. Uh, I watched a lot of sitcoms in the 60s. Uh, I, I wanted to, certainly wanted to go over with Darcy at some point. It could be now, it could be later. Sort of my history of seeing blind characters on, on TV shows. I can do that later if you want or or even now, it's up to you. Uh, I don't watch entertainment-related TV anymore uh, because this, the, a lot of the shows have become very angry and uh, with swearing and stuff, and I don't... I, I just... Uh, I only watch news on TV now, but I just thought this was worthwhile to attend and try to help. Okay. So I would say that in the interest of time, since this is a two-hour meeting, <laughs> we probably want to keep these comments brief yeah. and i would say that uh in fact if darcy wants to I, I it was my plan to have him give contact information several times throughout this discussion so if anybody wants to follow up with him directly yeah. uh that would be great so it would probably it would probably take less than a minute for me to go over it but anyway yeah yeah i know but we got other people who are, I'm sure want to make comments as well. So I, we want to again, uh, try to give everybody a fair chance to say something. So Darcy, if real quickly, if you want to give out some contact information and I'll have you do this several times, uh, so that people, uh, either now who want to do this or people listening can do it as well. Uh, what's a good way to reach you? Sure. Um, Chime, I'd, I'd love to talk to you. Thanks. That, that sounds great. Um, my, uh, my contact info uh, so my email address, that sounds pretty good for everybody, is dm, d is in Darcy, m is in McNeil, dm4444 at hotmail.com. dm44s at hotmail.com. Oh, that's a nice easy one. Okay, and then Susie, did you want to yeah. say something? Yeah, I'm Susie and I'm Chime's wife. I've been blind. I was not born blind. I lost my eyesight at the age of 33 in 1998, so my experience is different than Chime's. Chime was born premature and lost his eyesight shortly after birth. But um, I have helped on. I helped out Cameron Diaz portray a blind a blind woman in a movie, and I also spoke to another writer. So um, I would be interested if you wanted to contact me. But I also live in Sherman Oaks, and I'd be glad to help. Thank you. Thanks, Susie. That's lovely. That is awesome. Okay, and then I also heard Sharon in there. Uh, She came in on the tail end. So, Sharon, if if you can reach your mute button there. And also, if you could try to, you sound very muffled and a little distant. Let's see what we can do to bring up your audio. Okay, can you hear me now? It's a little better. Go ahead. Okay, hi. My name is Sharon Watson. Um, I went blind when I was 20, when I was pregnant with my child. Um, But after that, I did get my education. I went to UCR and got my degree. And then I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison. I'm now a licensed clinician in LCSW. And um, I just, I'm used to being blind. I live by myself. I own my home and I do everything. And I'm okay. Blindness is fine. Uh, That's it. (laughs) 
Okay. Well, that's great. Okay. Is there anybody else who would like to say a little something about themselves to Darcy? Again, uh, at this point, unmute yourself. Say your name and again, wait to be called. And if you're not called at that point, uh, we ask that you mute yourself and wait for the next turn. Tom Lang here. Okay. Tom Lang, uh, uh, we recognize you and everybody else. Please mute yourself again. Go ahead, Tom. Hi, uh, I'm Tom Lang. I live in Woodland Hills, California, at the west end of the San Fernando Valley. Um, I've uh, been in LA for. Whoops. Uh, I've been in LA since '69. Uh, Currently, I am an assistive technology trainer, uh, working at a local nonprofit, uh, teaching people how to use. Uh, Blind and visually impaired, uh, teaching people how to use computers and assorted technologies. So that's what I'm into. I also play music on the side and that's what I'm into. So awesome. Okay. And tell that person you don't need to have your car insurance renewed or that your social security number has been suspended or something. Let's tell them it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. All right. Thanks, Tom. Uh, anybody else? Remember to unmute yourself and say your name. Okay. Since no one's doing it, I probably should. <laughs> and you are? <laughs> My name is Jamie. And Go ahead, Jamie. I, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, hi, Darcy. Nice to, lovely. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, I am a totally blind, well, Kind of like a kind of light, super light perception, almost considered totally blind. And I've been like this since birth. And also I have background in theater uh, before previously. I also used to dance ballet. And now I have a new hobby that I just took in, you know, since this pandemic came about. Um, I am now taking in the photography and video editing hobby. Uh, this is all totally my hobby and it has been a fun experience. So again, pleasure to meet Mr. Darcy. Pleasure. Awesome. And by the way, for folks listening, uh, I, I definitely plan to have a meeting to discuss photography, um, trying to land somebody like Judy Dixon or somebody like that to come and speak with us. But if we can't, uh, one way or another, we are going to have this meeting. It's something I've been wanting to do for a very long time. So uh, just know that it is uh, not been forgotten. We are going to make this happen at some point. So uh, does anybody else, uh, anybody else want to say something about themselves? If so, please unmute, say your name. I do. It's Nikki Turner. All right. Nikki Turner, go ahead. Darcy, I'm uh, born and bred in West L.A. I have being here. I've been in the entertainment, particularly film industry, almost my whole life. I'm a screenwriter and a musician and have been losing my eyesight to to uh, diabetic complications. So retinopathy at this point, I'm a few steps above legally blind. And I, I so appreciate this this meeting, Julian. Uh, I just wanted to let Darcy know I'm here. I'm available. I know a lot about 
the film industry and screenwriting and being a low vision. So please contact me if you want anything I can help with. All right. So what, one thing I can definitely say that's the strength of this group is the networking opportunities that always arise. So um, anybody who wishes to follow up contact with Darcy, I, I would suggest that you use the contact information that he gave out earlier, and I'll have him repeat it a few more times throughout the discussion. I think that will probably be the easiest way to um, to initiate that communication with Darcy. Does that sound good, Darcy? Yeah, it sounds great. Can I just add something, Julian? Yeah, go ahead. Um, it seems like there's a... Uh, this, this is great. Like, thanks everybody for sharing and, um, uh, definitely no need for, for everyone to share, but it's nice to get a sense of where people are coming from a little bit. And it's helping me understand that there's a lot of, uh, it sounds like individual conversations that could happen that I'd be grateful for. And I really appreciate, uh, everyone's generosity offering those. Um, perhaps Julian, given that, um, when uh, we're sure that nobody else has anything else they wanted to share at the outset here, I would launch uh, just right away into some specific questions that I would just put to the group. Okay. Yeah, no problem. So um, let's take one last round, I guess, and see if anybody wants to say something uh, briefly about themselves. Otherwise, we'll, we'll go right into that part of the presentation. So uh, anybody else want to say a few words about themselves before we get started? Okay, um, that's good. And again, anybody is welcome to reach out to Darcy uh, if you if you want to have a conversation with him one on one. You know, let tell him a little bit more about yourself and and to help him with this project. I I think, as I said, networking is is one of the big strengths of this group, and I, I'm happy to see it in progress as it develops. So, okay, Darcy, go ahead uh, with your um, questions. Okay, maybe. Um... Like, uh, very quickly, it's clear that, uh, I could probably happily sit here for many, many, many hours. <laughs> um, there's obviously a lot of depth of experiences that everybody has got here, but why don't I just start with, um, society and like, let's see if we can kind of tackle this. I, I'll, I'll put two questions to everybody. Um, one is, uh, is maybe the obvious one, like what myths and stereotypes that society has about the blind really frustrate you? Um, or what are accurate? Like, what do you have to say about how the world sees you? Number one. And then number two, I'll put two questions out and whichever one resonates with you, that's fine. You can go to number two, by talking with Julian, um, it was so interesting to hear about his experience um, growing up and finding, if you don't mind me sharing, Julian, I, I presume it's okay, um, finding your way into the School of the Blind and what a big moment that was for you. And it just helped me clearly understand that, like, there must be so many different stories, like so many different journeys that people take to find, um, um, I guess, to find, like, a just a way of navigating the world. Um, and I was, I was interested in um, what some of those journeys might have been for people. So two questions. How does, uh, how does society, how do you feel about the way society sees you, quote unquote, number one? And then number two, um, 
what's your what's your journey been like to end up where you are? All right. So anybody want to take a stab at those? Chime. Say your name. Okay. Got chime recognized. Uh, go ahead, chime. Thank you. Um, I, I think more often than not, uh, the the whole myth about because we're blind, we're he- we hear better is uh, quite inaccurate, but it's confused with the fact that many of us can hear objects. You know, the, the sound bounces off the object. Sighted people can do that too. It's just they don't know it because they don't have a chance to experience it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, I mean, I know that because I had a good friend of mine in high school who was certainly sighted, and one night he had vertigo for five minutes, and he was hearing walls. And uh, the business about my hearing walls was quite the conversation piece in high school, so in Jersey, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, just to add to that, uh, whenever people ask me that question, you know, do you have supersonic hearing or, you know, your hearing is better than, than, than ours, I always give the example of what happens to anybody, blind or sighted, when you wake up in the middle of the night, either from a bad dream or just something startled you and you sit up in bed and you are hyper alert, it's dark all around you and your mind is in a state where it's needing information fast because it's trying to help you decide what action you're going to take. So in humans, the primary sense is obviously sight. And that's what we mostly rely on. But in the case of anybody in the, at that particular time, uh, blind or sighted, your sight's not going to work too well. So your mind taps to, into all the other senses that we have, and suddenly they become or seem to become more heightened. But it's really not that they're better. It's just that now all of a sudden your mind is, your brain is tuning into them a little bit more than it normally does because it's trying to get to, to develop situational awareness. And I, I find that the, when you put it to people like that, it does help them to understand, um, you know, how it is that we process things vis-a-vis hearing. Any uh, thoughts on that, Darcy? Yeah. Yeah. Stand by, Sharon. Go ahead, Darcy. Um, I, I, went, I wanted to ask uh, Tom what he meant by uh, hearing walls. Um, that was Chime. That was, that was chime. chime. Oh, I'm sorry, Chime. I'm sorry, it's, Chime. It's okay. I, I'm at the end of a table here. This is Susie's computer, not mine. Ah, okay. Mine's in Linux. <laughs> anyway, um, um, well, there's a certain... I don't know how... To, it's like a presence. You hear... Like, to the right of me, I hear the wall... But I can't tell you what it sounds like. It's just, it, it's a certain feel. It's, it's, some people refer to it as echolocation. I've also heard it referred to as facial vision. I don't know which is the, I guess echolocation is more the adequate, sort of the way bats travel, I guess, the way that it's been explained. Um, I, I, I generally will hear objects that are taller than myself. Uh, so of course, if I'm walking outside, I won't hear a parking meter because it's shorter. Um, if I didn't hear walls, I would have to walk around with a cane. My uh, has joined the meeting. Oh. <laughs> um, I would have to walk around with a cane all the time because I, you know, if I didn't hear objects, but because I hear objects, I'm pretty pretty safe indoors. Interesting. If I paraphrase, is it almost like? Um, I, I guess 
I guess it's like we, we've got like a, almost an ocean of sound waves that are kind of bouncing off of everything all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And for somebody that's got sight, they're probably so distracted by what they're looking at they that they don't really pay much attention to everything that they can actually hear. I would say that's accurate. But I, I mean, imagine you would want to ask a real sighted person to find out if that's how they feel about it. <laughs> Either that or ask one that went, became blind. Well, like Susie to my left, she used to see and now she's blind. So I don't, I don't know. I, I think in, you know, people do say, Oh, your hearing got better. No, what can happen is it, you become more aware and you learn to use what you have. Like I'm really aware of what's under my feet. Do you hear objects? Yes, but I have to, I have to really pay attention. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, the way the sound barriers and the sound bounces off of things in solid matter, but, but I can. I'm not as good as chime, but, um, and I, if I pay attention, I can find out, like when I drop something, I hear where it goes. I don't have to most of the time look and look and look. I hear where it bounces. Uh, I am aware of where sounds come from because I have to pay attention. If I didn't pay attention, it wouldn't be there. I just learned to work with what I have, uh, in depth. Fascinating. Thanks. Um, let me just keep. Uh, skipping from one person to the next, Julian. I, I think Sharon was interested. Yeah, yeah, Sharon was next. So Sharon, if you if you can okay, get to hi. your uh, mic. Hello, can you hear me? I can. Um, I'd like to comment on what Chime and Susie said first about hearing objects. And the way I feel that is, if I'm cooking in the kitchen and I've left the cupboard open because I'm in a hurry, I can feel that it's open before I hit my head on it again. If I'm moving slow, if I'm moving fast, I'll hit my head on it. But if I'm just there, I can feel that the cupboard's open. I just reach up and close it because I feel it. It's not that I hear it. Kind of like a bat, I think. <laughs> okay. Now, um, to switch to the topic of inappropriate or the way that people see blind people, um, it mystifies me sometimes how sighted people can ask blind people the most inappropriate questions. It's like, who puts on your makeup? Who dresses you? Who picks out your clothes? How do you match? I mean, who would ask a stranger these things? Mm-hmm. But on numerous occasions, people just feel the need to ask me those things. So um, that's one way that people see blind people. They think we're not able to put on our makeup, which I do, um, or or dress nicely or just be aware of how we look. They think that we should just... Uh, not care, I guess. So that's what my opinion. Hmm. Robert. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go, uh, go ahead, Robert. <clears throat> I didn't mean to cut Sharon off. I thought she was done. So, <clears throat> anyhow, um, I think another thing that at least what I've seen, um, is, and it's very, <clears throat> at least to me, it's very annoying. Um, and that is, you can be out with another, with a sighted person. Um, and the society thinks that the sighted person is taking care of the blind person. So they're going to talk to the sighted person about us. And, you know, we're, we're sitting there. And, and if you have someone who, who's been around blind people, they know, you know, then they know to say, 
well, ask them. They're right there. But if they've never been around blind people before and they've just met someone, then they, they're not in tune with that. And it's very frustrating that it seems as if society thinks that when blind people are with sighted people, that the sighted person is taking care of us. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me. Of, I, I, I remember I was with a group of blind people and we had one sighted person with us. And she went to the restroom. We were at a restaurant and she comes back and says, you'll, this, the funniest thing just happened. I forget if it was one of the waitresses or somebody there in the restaurant said to her, that's really nice of you to take all those blind people out to, to a restaurant to eat because they probably don't get out very much. So she had to explain to them, no, that we actually all got there on our own and she just met us there. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think some of this stuff just comes from uh, misperceptions and stereotype that I think in, uh, are in a large part rooted in fear. Because I think this is the thing that if you probably ask most sighted people, what is the one thing that they fear the most? I bet losing their sight would rank right up there. If not number one, it, it's got to be pretty darn close to it. Mm-hmm. So. Because of that, I think they tend to automatically think when they see a blind person, oh my God, how, how do they, uh, how could it, I, I'd be terrified. How, I mean, I, I have good friends of mine that are sighted that still say to me, uh, I'd be terrified if I, if I had to cross a big intersection like that and you just do it like nothing because they, they can't understand. So I, I, a lot of this I think is rooted in fear and also the fact that we as blind people take for granted that we know other blind people and, and we run into them all the time. We go to conventions. We went to school with them. We, we're They're in our lives. But the average sighted person probably in their whole lifetime may encounter one or two or maybe no blind people ever. So when they're suddenly in that situation where they're, they're in the presence of a blind person, uh, some of them I think can't help themselves they, they 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 have things they're curious about they're things they're afraid of and this is their one chance i guess to ask almost like when you ask you know when you have survivors of a plane crash or something like that and everybody in the media what was this like what was that like how did you feel <laughs> I, I think it's kind of something along those lines that goes on so any comments on that darcy or should we take another person Yes. Um, well, no, if, if anybody, uh, has something to say, um, I'll just be silent for a moment and then, and then I have another question. Okay. I have anybody, Nikki, Nikki, go ahead. Uh, being low vision, I get a, a special mean or unfairness from people, even from one person I love and one person who's completely unkind and uncaring. They know I can see uh, with a huge magnifying glass, I can see something, but I get accused of not trying hard enough. Look harder. It's there. Uh, Fix fix that. What can I say? This is all I can see, but it doesn't matter. They expect me to do more and see more. Mm. Yeah. And again, I I, do that too. I'm sorry. (laughs) My husband's hearing it in the background. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, again, I, I think that comes from a lack of understanding. I, I had an experience as a child with a, with a resource teacher who was like that, who didn't understand my condition. She didn't understand 
that I couldn't see in places where it was dark. You know, I, uh, being, being partial uh, is a tough place to be because sometimes and and I'm sure if a totally blind person would say, what are you complaining about? At least you can see something. I've never seen anything in my life. So, you know, the, the, the opinion's not going to vary, but I can tell you just from, from having that experience in life, when I was a child, I could see a lot better than I could now. And yeah, I had a teacher who didn't understand that there are some things I could use my eyes for and some things I couldn't. And she would insist always, you got to use your eyes. You got to use your eyes. So one classic example of this was, uh, one day she's having me look for a book. It was a math book or something like that. And, you know, I, uh, I was used to just kind of reaching on my desk. I knew what the math book felt like. So I didn't have to t- bend my face down there to look for it because the, the inside of the desk is completely dark. I couldn't, it would have been of no use to me, but she insisted you got to use your eyes. And finally I just, I learned to just fake her out. So I would make the motion like I was looking, but I, I was still. Uh, still using my eyes. Same thing with a music teacher who wanted me to try to read music and I couldn't play the instrument and, and try to read the, the, the stuff on the paper. It, it just wouldn't work with my eyesight. So again, I, I would play by ear and pretend that I was looking. I'd move my head and make the motions like I was reading the paper, but I really wasn't. I was still playing by ear. So <laughs> it's Wait, what you had to what do. Instrument? I'm sorry. Oh, it was, it was the recorder, you know, the flute that they had you play in elementary school. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Sorry. Okay. Darcy, do you have any more? Uh... Nikki, um, yeah, Nikki or, or anybody else, it doesn't have to be you, Nikki. Don't need to put you on the spot. But is there, um, is there any examples of a contrast to that where um, are there any friends that anyone has that you just really respect how they navigate all this? I personally don't have many low-sighted people or blind people. I, I don't have that much of a social life. So I, I can't be the one to answer. So please, if anyone else wants to take it, go ahead. Sharon? Um, yeah, go ahead, Sharon. Hi. Actually, my daughter, she understands perfectly. She just doesn't even see me as blind. My whole family doesn't. They just see me as me because I do all the things that I want to do. They never refer to my blindness or treat me in any different way. And I really appreciate that. Sharon, remind me, were you were you born blind or did you become um, blind I had um, retinopathy or prematurity, so I was blind in my right eye. But I lost my sight completely when I was 20. Okay. When I was pregnant with my daughter. <laughs> she's now grown up. <laughs> so she's been with me the whole time. And uh, I don't know. I don't let blindness get in my way. I just, I want people to see me as me and not as a blind person. And pretty much my friends and family see me as me. Sometimes they actually leave me in the dust. <laughs> They'll be, I go, hey, you guys, where are you? They're, oh, we thought you were up there. <laughs> so that's it. Um, Sharon, I'm kind of pivoting to the next question as I ask you, if you don't mind. Um, what was it, what was it like when you did go blind? And you're adapting to this whole new circumstance. And then I'm imagining the people around you are as well. Um, what was your learning process like? And what was their learning process like? It was difficult because I went blind when I was pregnant with my child. So when she was born, I didn't see her. 
only with my lips. <laughs> she was beautiful. But I had to, I was really depressed. Sorry. I was really depressed at first. And then I couldn't really be depressed because my daughter needed me. And uh, I was on my own. And so I had to be her mom. I mean, I'd just hold the spoon out and she'd have to get it like a baby bird because I couldn't find her mouth. <laughs> so we kind of adjusted together. And uh, by the time she was grown up, I went back to school. And uh, my mom didn't take it very well. She never wanted me to admit I was blind. Uh, I was in the middle of five kids. And uh, she'd just say, you're fine. Don't say you can't see. You're fine. So for my first part of my life, I really had to pretend like I could see. I mean, I'd be remembering, trying to memorize the board and all kinds of things because I couldn't say I couldn't see. But then um, once I went totally blind, uh, she at one point put her hand on my back, put her hand on my back and said, just go straight. You'll be fine. She just didn't want to admit that I was blind. I said, Mom, look, <laughs> I'm blind. So we finally all got used to it. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. It was. It was very terrifying. It baby steps, you know, baby steps. So hmm. I, I actually have a chance in my work to help other blind people since um, I'm an LCSW and I, I use my experience to help them. And it's really rewarding <laughs> when it works. <laughs> hmm. Okay, Susie, go ahead. Well, yeah, I think you asked the question if I had anybody in my life that was really supportive and just my mom was uh, and my best friend Cheryl, who passed away uh, earlier this year, just treated me as, you know, just a friend and not my blind friend. My mom... Uh, when I lost my eyesight as an adult, my mother went into shock. So I ended up taking care of my mom, newly blind, because she had emergency heart surgery, and I had to care for her. She had complications from her surgery. And she always, she raised me to be independent because I already had uh, lost my eyesight in my right eye when I was eight. And she knew, you know, if she didn't teach me how to do for myself. She never wanted me to be in that position that if I were to go blind, I would be, you know, lost. So she taught me in that manner to be independent. So um, a couple of years after I was blind, my mother wanted to know why we didn't have a car. And I said, well, we really can't afford one. And she said, we'll buy a used one. And I said, well, mom, you don't drive and I don't either. And she said, why? I said, I'm blind. And she said, so she had so much confidence in me. You know, she, she thought I could do anything. Uh, but she was very careful. You know, she knew that I, I couldn't see and she didn't. She didn't berate me. She just raised me to be independent. And I, I just wanted to go back on something else earlier. It's like, you know, even when I would go to my doctor's office, my doctor would say, do you need help getting dressed? Uh, like I was, you know, mentally challenged uh, or deaf. That's the other thing. They think if, if you're blind, you're deaf too. They'll <laughs> yell at you, you know. And my husband and I travel a lot and they'll say, well, who lives with you? Who takes care of you? And uh, we live by ourselves, we take care of ourselves, we have a normal life. The other thing is, I, when I was first, first newly blind, uh, my acquaintances at the time would say to me, well, you know, it's nice that you have normal friends, but you really need friends like you that are blind. In other words, not normal. And it's, it's oh, the other one. How could you have married someone you've never seen? 
and and I got that a few times. How can you've gotten married? How can you even date someone you can't see? So yeah, it's out of ignorance and what you don't know. It's scary. And, and you, know? you still dream in full color. And night. I still dream in full sight every night. All my dreams are in sight. Every even in the, in the dream, I know that I'm blind, but I can still see. Even though in the dream, I know that I'm blind. Very interesting. Susie, can you tell me about that? This is really big thing for me. Uh, I've heard that some people, depending upon how they lose their eyesight, they lose the memory of sight. But my experience has been that most people that could see at one point still dream in sight. So every single dream, even if in the dream, I consciously know I can't see. I see everything that's going on. In my mind, I have a concept of what my husband looks like. Anybody I meet, automatically I have this concept. Sometimes it's fairly accurate, other times it's not. But I'm still very visual, which is a good thing in some ways. In some ways, it's not a good thing. Uh, because my husband was blind since birth, he has a different experience. And But because I used to be able to see, I have a different experience. And I think that balances out for us. But he doesn't know I, I experienced and vice versa. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, Julian, I, I hope you don't mind. Uh, I was feeling like several of the comments were uh, being directed quite a bit at me. And so I've kept my mic un, un, unmuted, if that's okay. Is, that's is fine. Audio yeah, no. Working out okay? Yeah, you're you're the guest speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, so I just... Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I just want to be able to throw in a few sounds here and there of acknowledgement from whatever. Sure. Um, I, this is a, a, this is a real big, uh, topic, a real big point of curiosity for me. Um, I've been watching videos on YouTube about, about dreaming. I mean, I'm, and I'm just, I'm just interested in dreaming in general, but. Um, I'm also interested in like uh, people that were born blind and how what their dreams are like versus people that had sight but lost it and then what their dreams are like. And I, I've always heard like really interesting d descriptions about that. So does anybody else uh, have any thing they want to say about dreaming? Chime. Go ahead, chime. Um, since I, I only dream in the senses that I have. Uh, uh, touch, uh, taste, um, obviously hearing. No, uh, no, 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 I've never smelled in my dreams. No. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I can't think of anything unusual. I've certainly never seen in my dream because I have no concept of that. Um, I don't know. Huh. I, I, I mean, yes, certainly people ask me, you think, well, how do you dream? Or I, I mean, very well-meaning questions. Um, and I mean, like, um, and certainly Susie's experiences are, are interesting to me. I mean, I, I love to ask her from time to time, what is it, do you remember what it feels like to look at someone's eyes? And she gets very kind of touched about it and says she does. And I, I, but it's a concept nobody could ever explain to me. But if I could see for just 10 seconds, 10 seconds, I want to experience that, but I can't, you know, it would just be that's that psychic connection with somebody. I guess that, that people have, it would be fascinating to see what that's like. Uh, the only other thing I'd want to see really are maybe thunderheads and planets. Other than that, 
most objects I can touch. What do I need to see them for? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks, John. All right. Anybody else with any uh, experiences uh, related to dreaming? Tom Langer. Go ahead, Tom uh, Langer. Yeah, my uh, dreams are primarily audio. There, There is some tactile elements. Um, taste and smell are much rarer, uh, but I have experienced that. Uh, but as I say, that's that's very rare. Tom, I uh, you know, what got me thinking about this was one of the interviews I listened to. Um, and I can't remember if it was yours, Julian, or not, but um, one of the people that was born blind. Um, no, it was no, it was it was a woman that um, she had lost her sight, and she explained that um, she started having less images in her dreams. But one thing that she felt was happening more in her dreams is that her feelings were more, um, they were more dramatic or like more emphasized or more crisp or more clear almost. And I, I was wondering if anybody else could, if that resonated with anybody else at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Jamie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Jamie. Um, actually, it's true in some sense because when I dream, it's, it's pretty weird because it, it's, it's like it's heightened, especially the sense of touch, you know, the sense of feel and the sense of smell, uh, smell. I'm sorry. The sense of smell for me in my dream, it's for some reason, it's very much heightened. I cannot explain why, but it is true that the touch and the smell. They're, they're heightened. Why? I have no idea. I cannot really explain it. But it is true in, in some way. I've experienced that. And I mean a lot. Oops. Okay, go ahead. Uh, somebody else was there? Me. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on, hold on. A few people. Um, go ahead again. Uh, Nikki? Nikki, Joy. go ahead, Nikki. And then, and okay, I got Nikki and then Joy. I am, again, being very partially sighted. I am happy to say that my dreams, I can see a million years in the, in any direction more than mm. I could ever see, even when I could see well. My, my dreams are real vivid and clear. I once dreamt I was hugging Mr. Fox back in the green hills of Ireland. Don't ask me why. <laughs> That's <laughs> illogical. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and it was colorful. But I just want to say that is something I have noticed. My dream vision is better than mine. Much. Nikki, may I? Nikki, may I ask? Because um, uh, dreams are often emotional. Yeah. Um, I I was I was talk I was philosophizing with a friend last night just about our dreams and if there was any dreams during the course of our life that we could remember that just were really, uh, they were memorable because of how emotional they were for whatever reason. Um, and I was wondering if that had changed for you at all, the emotional content of your dreams at all. I can't say it has changed. It's just always been 
the handful of dreams I do remember, even as far back as from childhood when I could see perfectly, were the emotionally strong dreams having to do with loved ones. Mm. I don't know if my vision had any different, made any changes to that. Mm. Thank you. All right, uh, go ahead, Joy. Hi. Um, I am totally blind now. I was fully sighted growing up, but when I was 31, I became blind. And as far as dreaming, I still dream, not as often as I used to, or at least I don't remember my dreams. But in my dreams, I do have eyesight. Most of the time, if I'm outside, I'm holding a white cane. Um, I'm not using it, but I'm holding it. And I, I'm, I still remember I've had a few dreams where as I'm waking up, but still sort of in the dream, you know, how did I do that? I'm blind, but yet I saw everything. So that could be sort of what you're thinking, um, that our emotions are still in our dreams. And when I do dream, I um, still see. But sometimes, you know, when I'm dreaming about my husband, who I met after I became blind, I have an idea in my mind what he looks like. Whether he looks that way or not, to me, it's immaterial. Because I know I'm never going to regain my vision. So I think for me, that lets go of a lot of anger and a lot of fear that I might have had if I held on to the those kind of thoughts. So I always just figure that all the guys that are in my life, they're all extremely handsome. All the women are beautiful and gorgeous. Mm. And even the friends that I had when I was still sighted, um, they none of them have gray hair. And I'm always shocked when they tell me they're having their hair colored <laughs> because in my mind, they're still young <laughs> so you know but when I dream I, I don't usually find like Jamie said she's touching things because I, I you know I guess I, I don't do it enough that, that as I should as a blind person but um, I still enjoy my dreams and I do have them what do you mean Joy you don't do it enough um because Enough, because when you're blind, you learn to touch things more mm. so that you can get more of an idea. And there's times where I don't touch things that have patterns that are engraved on, like, say, jewelry or silverware. Um, I don't touch them enough, I think, to get a true concept. of Because I was looking at some silverware that I purchased after I became blind, actually, just a few weeks ago. I go, oh, yeah, I forgot the pattern went like this. And as I'm feeling like the handle of the knife, I'm like, oh, wow. I, I just had no concept of the, how the engraving was done on it. So, um, you know, maybe if I was more like Jamie, I would have had it memorized and kept it in my mind. Um, so that would have been... Um, you know, I, I don't know if it, it doesn't really mean much in the scheme of things, but it, it did surprise me when I was checking it out a short time ago. Joy, would you say, um, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's an obvious question, I guess. So apologize in advance, but like, I, 
it, it sounds like different people touch their world differently or a different amount. Um, I that, think so. As I'm, as I'm meeting more and more blind people, yes. Because I think some children who are blind, they were stifled by experiencing a lot of things by their parents and families. As you've probably noticed, even just in the 45 minutes I've been listening, how some kids were encouraged to do things and others were not. And as yeah. I say, things as a child really affect you as an adult. Yeah. You may push it aside, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. It uh, mm-hmm. Childhood experiences absolutely shape adulthood. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm um, yeah, when I dream, I am very detailed. I'm not only am I dreaming it, I am living it. I can feel everything that's going on. I can experience everything as if I am there. No, I'm not as if I am there. I am living it. Not only am I living it, I interact in my dreams. I know that I'm in a dream state. But I actually talked to the whoever's in my dream, like, what do you think about this? Or what happened there? I can actually ask questions, which is another topic for another day. But everything is, I don't want to say heightened. I am more aware of it. That's what I want to say. I'm more aware of it. And that is everything, which is touch, which is the visual, which is everything that I'm feeling. But it is, it's a lot. And I dream a lot. I dream actually a lot. Thank you. I um as a as a writer obviously I'm I'm super interested in all the emotional stuff. <laughs> um and uh yeah so I I really yeah I really appreciate everybody everybody sharing about that. Uh, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about um and and Nikki was was nodding there as you were talking Susie and um I hadn't thought about how um, as Sharon was talking about how, um, yeah, people interface with their world differently. You know, it's, it's an obvious, it's, it's an obvious point, but it's, it sounds very interesting for me. I mean, so what would be, can anybody think of an example of somebody that like is really far on the spectrum where they're like, really like, like who's the touchiest blind person you ever saw <laughs> and then who's like the most um <laughs> Susie's Susie's pointing to her to her husband this, 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 is, this is gonna get a laugh out of a lot of people here but they always seem to congregate around our national conventions the touchiest blind people <laughs> <laughs> and not always in a good way but <laughs> uh, so I'm just wondering it, it, has is there anybody who hasn't spoken at all or, or much that wants to chime in and say a little something about what's been said thus far? Not an all right. point. One interesting point. Yeah, I go ahead. Script, it was actually well acclaimed. It was actually about Beethoven. So here is a 
person who can't see very well writing about someone who can't hear very well. That was an interesting juxtaposition, and I, I feel a closeness. I call him Ludwig. I feel a closeness to Ludwig because of that experience. Hmm. <laughs> I have his yeah. picture on my wall, and I walk by, I wave, or sometimes blow him a kiss. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Does he blow, does he blow one back? (laughs) Well, he, he whistles Moonlight Sonata. Never mind. I'm not going to get, I'm, I am a lifelong improviser and performer. So keep me quiet. Otherwise I will just go off constantly. Not to mention you're a character. That's great. (laughs) That's what makes life fun. All right. So again, is there anybody else who hasn't, had a chance to speak yet or hasn't said very much who wants to get in on this. I want to make sure we get all the uh, input and feedback from anybody who wants to give it. I want to make sure we're not leaving anybody out. Um, can I speak? If you say your name first. Yes, Sharzad. Um, oh, yeah, go ahead, Sharzad. Yes, hi. Um, I listened to everybody's and I wanted to share my own experience as a associated marriage and family therapist. So can you say that one more time for me? Yes, I'm an associate marriage and family therapist. I'm uh, I'm working toward my hours to become licensure as a marriage and family therapist. Cool. (laughs) Yes. Um, I live in Northridge and, um, well, it's a few aspects that, um, I can talk about, uh, what I experienced as a, um, English is, um, my second language and, um, I lost my sight, um, in my late twenties, um, due to, um, wrong surgery that happened um, to my eyes and it was terrifying and devastating for me and um, I never could imagine I can be at this uh, place today and this point today and um, when I started school I was a really challenged I um, I I had a lot of challenges because I have to learn English as well as working with jobs and so many other things. But I had a pretty big support of uh, my rehab counselors and my family. Um, so um, um, I think the biggest challenges for me is making the boundaries with others because especially when I'm taking Uber or when I'm going to different places to, you know, shopping or other places, the people asking me the question that, um, like, they're curious to know about, uh, like, what goes on, but they don't know they can hurt someone's feeling with asking those questions. So, um, especially with... Um, like the question, how far can you see? 
uh, like, um, can you, um, um, how you can recognize where the door is. Oh, and then if some sighted person is with me, so instead of they're talking to me, especially in doctor's office, they're talking to that sighted person, but I am the patient. And I need to respond to, you know, what goes on with my health or whatever the situation is. Um, and I agree with Sharon um, about, um, like, we are capable to do so many things, but we chose to having a different way to handle our life. And uh, I learned how to making the boundaries um, when I, I feel like, okay, this is too much for me. I mean, as an individual, we, I mean, I don't want to say maybe it's more comfortable for other people to, um, you know, share, um, share the, w w any information that they would like to. But sometimes for me, it's difficult because um, sometimes I don't have a clear answer and I, um, and the one question when they're asked, if I uh, let them, they're going to next questions when they're going to next questions. And, and then I feel drained. I feel like I can't handle it anymore. So, and I try to just making them, you know, just boundaries and uh, doing everything independently. And um, I'm living by myself. I do everything as much as I can. And if I need help, I definitely ask for help. And I think um, um, I wish the society people could treat us uh, because uh, we just don't have a sight. But that doesn't mean we cannot hear, we cannot think, we cannot feel. So um, we can do everything just in a different way. Mm. And uh, that's it. And thank you for listening. Your English, oh, sure. is, your, your English is great. <laughs> You've done wonderful at that. Sharon, I just Wait, hang, hang, hang on a second. Yeah, hang on a second, Sharon. Uh, um, I, I want to thank Sharzad for sharing uh, that with us. Um, that's very appreciative and helpful. And if, if, if I could just add one comment before we go to Sharon, is that that is why one of the reasons specifically why I felt this was an important meeting to have an important dialogue is that this is one way that we as blind people can help to shape the way that the world perceives us is by talking to somebody who is working on a script that's going to feature blind people in it. And he's going to take all this information and factor it into as he builds these characters and I think that it's, it's dialogue that needs to happen way more often and as, with as many people who are involved in this sort of thing as possible. So this is why I thought this is so important because exactly, that's exactly it. You know, people have a lot of mis misperceptions and it's up to us to help to change that. And, uh, this is one way of doing it. So this is why I'm especially thankful for this opportunity. All right. Having said that, go ahead, uh, Sharon. I just wanted to tell her, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. And I think that as women, blind women, we all have experienced those experiences. And you're brave and you're doing wonderfully. And uh, you and I have a lot in common since I'm a therapist as well. Um, I've learned to tell people sometimes when they're asking too many questions, I'll just say, 
my dog did it. <laughs> Go put on your makeup. My dog picks it up. I'll just say, oh, uh, Kiki helps with my makeup. <laughs> but you're right. We do have to put people in their places who are too nosy and they think that we don't have feelings and we do. And they think that we're not as bright as they are just because we're black. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, you're welcome. Robert? Awesome. So, so Darcy, before we go to Robert, is there anything you wanted to say in response to any of this? No, please. Please go ahead, Robert. Okay, go ahead, Robert. Okay. All right. Thank you for saying your name because I came in late and I couldn't remember your name. I'm sorry about that, um, Darcy. So I think, you know, and I think I, I really appreciate you being here today and gathering information from us. But I have a question for you, Um because I think that there's a, a really great way that you can help us in, and when I say us, meaning the blind community um, as a whole, in showing how people who are blind and visually impaired are capable of doing things by having someone in this, um, I'm not sure if it's a documentary you're putting together or, or what it is, but by having a blind actor or actress and i'm just wondering if you've thought that far yet yeah a little bit um my my hope is that the person i cast is blind um they've got to have a certain kind of ethnicity and a certain skill set and um performing so there's there is a bunch to kind of factor in there um perhaps i'll, I'll just pause there in case you've got more follow-up questions Not really follow-up questions, but I just think that, I mean, I know there are blind people out there that people who are blind that are are actually in the field of acting. Um, and I don't think that they they are called upon enough in, you know, in today's society. So if it is at all possible when you get to that point, um, you know, oftentimes you'll see different movies and shows and they're portraying a blind person, but yet the person doing it is actually sighted. And, you know, in order to play that part properly, I think it would really be best to have someone who is blind doing it. I fullheartedly agree. Cool. Appreciate it. And there's definitely a lot of ability and diversity in the blind community. In fact, uh, I'm reminded of a project that Jamie participated in several years, four years ago. It's something, it was called Theater by the Blind, and they put on a play. In fact, I think it might even be on YouTube. And if I recall, it was called Insight, or was it that? Uh, yes, it is. It was called Insight, and it's still on YouTube, but it's on the one of the director's YouTube channel, actually, the one that helped directed the, or the assistant director of the, uh, of the play. It was funny, speaking of that, because I was casted as a... Uh, sighted person and I'm completely almost completely blind and <laughs> my role was a sighted person so I definitely agree with Mr. Roberts point that if 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 a movie or a documentary wherever that is is geared towards blind people I believe that uh, a blind person also should be casted or should be the one playing it so this way it's it's more natural because it's already them. They don't even need to act it because <laughs> it's them. 
Yeah, so you might you might want to look for that, Darcy, because it was a really neat play. And yeah, it's funny because it, it, she played the role of a sighted person, and let's just say it was a sighted person who had a lot of misconceptions about blindness. So uh, it was really fun play to watch, and and all the all the all the members of that play are all blind. But I could give I could email Mr. Darcy the the link to it when oh, I I'll, awesome. I'll find it today. Yeah, and I'll I'll email it to him probably right around, right after the meeting. Thanks, Jamie. Aha, uh-huh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, maybe if I can just do a follow up on on a few of the comments. Um, uh, forgive me, um, Sharzad, if I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly. Um, but um. Yeah, your work getting into therapy seems really cool. I really enjoyed listening to your story. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, was that it or did you want to say yeah. anything else to her? I was just th- thinking. Okay. Um, did, some, did someone else have something they wanted to say right now? Yeah, I just wanted to throw in there as much as it's Susie, as much as people give us a hard time or have misconceptions, there are also people that I've met along the way who've been very supportive. I have a friend that is kind of protective of me, sometimes a mother hen, and she used to take me, pick me up at grocery shopping, and she hasn't done that because of the pandemic. And the other day, I went to my supermarket, and I was putting the card in, my, my credit card into the slot, and she took it out of my hand, and I guess I wasn't doing it fast enough. And the cashier who knows me said, you know, she's been coming by herself all these months for the past year and a half, and she's done really good without you. And I thought, <laughs> so, you know, and there are people like that. They're like, don't do it for her, ask her. So there are plenty of people that actually do stick up for me or when someone speak, tries to speak for me or at me, there are other people who say, wait a minute. She's here. She can do it. She can do it better than you can. And to, and, and to, just to let you know that we are capable. I'm actually the convention chair of a, well, like a convention for next year for something. And, you know, at first I thought, how am I going to do that? And everybody else said, we don't have a problem with you doing this. This is not a blind convention. This is something else. Everyone else can see. And they elected me to do it because they said, you're a good leader. We have no problems with you being blind. You're going to be able to do it just fine. So that's about a confidence. So we can do anything, almost anything. <laughs> I experienced that. Right, uh, hang on. Who is that? Nikki. Okay, Years Nikki, ago, go ahead. Before I knew I was getting bad vision, I was at the gym and I saw a woman with a white cane getting on a, I guess it was a treadmill and, and programming it. And I walked up to her and I said, can I help you? She got so mad. She snapped so hard. No, I that made me realize I gotta stop. I can't, and that's what you're saying too. People assume that we, now me too, can't do anything. Well, hold hold on a second, because I, I I have something to say about that. I think if it's exactly if it went down exactly as you said it, I don't think you did anything wrong. I, I, one of the things I always try to impart to anybody cited who I come into contact with uh, in my everyday life, especially people who are offering assistance, is I always try to leave them with the, with the understanding that the best way to offer assistance is to do just that, offer assistance and ask how 
how can I be of help? As opposed to just taking it upon themselves to say, oh, I think I, I want to help them and I, and I think this is what they need. And that's when you start dealing with people who want to come up and grab you or start pulling you or, or start pushing things for you. Uh, that, that, that's what I try to get people to understand that that's not the way you offer assistance. The best way to offer assistance is to say, you know, can I be of, can I, can I be of any help? Yes. And, whether they say politely no or snap at you and yell, uh, I mean, that's, that's on them. Oh, sure. But yeah. there's nothing wrong with, with offering people help. And I think that's one of the mistakes that sometimes, and I understand because it can be frustrated when we are kind of, it seems like the burden is on us a little bit sometimes more so than others that we're the ones who have to educate. We're the ones who have to do this. We're the ones who have to do that. But at the end of the day, we are a tiny minority of, of the people of the world and we can't possibly understand that the vast majority is going to know everything there is to know about this little tiny minority. So if we want to have the equal treatment, if we want to, to, to be treated with respect and dignity, I think to some degree, yeah, we have to teach people how to do that. And, uh, it does, it doesn't help when somebody does that because it leaves someone with the same feeling that you have like, Oh, well, that's the last time I try to help somebody. Meanwhile, um, maybe they were just having a bad day. Maybe somebody else just, maybe the last person who offered them help did it. And so now they want nothing to do with anybody who comes up and asks for help. So I think, you know, the, the, the best thing to do is just to offer assistance and, and ask, how can I be of help? as opposed to just assuming that you know what you think is what they need. Very much true. Uh, Julian, this is Robert. Yeah, go ahead, Robert. So I agree with you wholeheartedly, um, but I also believe that there are <clears throat> different circumstances for different things, and and you have to know what is, you know, the best for that circumstance. So <clears throat> a good example of that is, you know, like the, the person you just mentioned being at the gym, you know, okay, well, you know, at the gym that someone is probably going to be wanting to offer help by wanting to assist to start a treadmill or something like that. So in that instance, you could be a little more thoughtful and say, you know, no, thanks. I got it or whatever. But in the case of um, an incident that I had a week ago where I'm crossing the middle of the street, and someone just grabs me out of the middle of nowhere, uh, my reaction is to throw them again, you know, just to throw them off of me. And, and you know, my, my elbow swings upwards. So I mean, it just, um, I'm not in the middle of the street going to go uh, trying to explain to someone that they shouldn't grab someone. Um, you know, so I think you have to survey the, you know, what is happening and where and, and use the best judgment on that moment. Yeah. And, and there's definitely a time and a place, but I think those two incidents are very different. Um, oh, sure. naturally, if somebody comes up and puts their hands on me, I'm going to have a similar reaction as well, especially <laughs> exactly. in today's world and today's Los Angeles. Absolutely. Yes. So I think, yeah. it, it, you know, there comes a time when we have to establish and, and set boundaries and right. But 
you know, I, whenever possible, I try to do it by humor. One, one of the common things that oh, happen yeah. is some, somebody wants to grab you by the cane and leave you. <laughs> and, I, and, and what I do when somebody does that, I go, ow, you're grabbing my eyeballs. Stop it. That hurts yeah. or something like that. <laughs> or they want to grab the yeah, dog. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sharon, I, I hear you. So, um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, that there's, there's definitely a time and a place we have to know how to, there are certain things that are not okay to do and it doesn't matter who you are or, or, or what the other person's intentions are. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with that as well. But at the same time, I, I've seen far too many times the incidents like what Nikki was describing where somebody will just casually offer help, you know, politely, respectfully. And somebody will just snap at them and I, and I feel awful because I feel like, wait a minute, just cause I don't need that help doesn't mean that someday somebody else isn't going to need that help. And I always try to remember that even when declining assistance from people is that I may not need it, but somebody else may. And I shouldn't, I should try to make it a positive experience, educate as much as I can mm-hmm. in that moment. But yeah, at the same time, if somebody's putting their hands on me, I'm not going to tolerate that. Yeah. Either. Well, and, and just one more real quick comment. I would say that, you know, even as a blind person, we are all allowed to have bad days too. So, um, you know, so I, we may be in a, in a bad spot or be thinking of something and maybe sad or something. And someone, you know, says something and it kind of, you know, you, you get a little bit upset or something because of that. But I mean, in, in the long term, we, we really should try to be as, you know, helpful and educational as possible. But we are all allowed to have a, a bad day here and there. Yep. And that includes the sighted people who we may bump yep. up against <laughs> who may not have the best reaction to it as well. <laughs> I had those two, yep. So, you know, I have a funny story about that. <laughs> I was uh, walking into a restaurant, a fast food restaurant one day, and uh, I had no idea the line was right to the door. And I'm walking in and I was coming in kind of fast and I smacked right into the back of this big, tall guy. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly tall. I'm six one and this guy's taller than me easily. Uh, muscle bound guy and he turns around and he's like, why don't you watch where you're? And then he saw the cane in my hand and it's amazing how quickly his demeanor changed. Like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> So, oh man, for a second, my life flashed before my eyes because I thought I was about to get knocked out. <laughs> so, yeah, I think in, in general, I think it, in the times that we live in today, we all have to try to kind of dial it back a little bit and <laughs> be understanding of each other. So, anyway, Darcy, any thoughts or anything on any of this discussion? I want to jump to Sharon right away. Yeah, go ahead, Sharon. Oh, what I was going to say is as far as that, the lady on the treadmill yelling, if we want to be treated with respect like any other normal person, normal quote unquote, we have to treat people that way too. And we can't expect to be crabby just because we're blind. We can't expect to treat people in that manner. She should have just said, no, thank you. I'm fine. You know, and as far as people coming up and grabbing me, which they do, I usually will put my hand up and say, social distance. Social distance, please. I'll say that. I'll say, oh my, like that. And um, as far as the joke, one time I was in the airport and a gentleman came up to me and said, would you like an arm? And I said, no, thank you. But if you have an extra eye, it would be nice. <laughs> he just looked at me like that was crazy. But anyways, that was it. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's funny. I, I say something similar. I, I, I'll say like, would you like an arm or a hand? I say, well, I've already got two on my own. I think you need yours. So, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is Darcy just laughing. I'm just cackling here in the background. <laughs> <laughs> humor is so important. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in humor. It really helps to diffuse a lot of things and it also helps to be put people at ease. I think, you know, we live in a time now where everybody's hypersensitive. I feel so much so that it's like people get easily offended. So I, 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 the first thing I want to do is put somebody at ease and make them feel like you don't have to, you don't have to, to, you know, watch every little step with me. You, you can, you know, you don't have to think about using the right words or this, you know, because at the end of the day, I just want to transact with people. I don't want to make people feel like they have to walk on eggshells with me because I'm a big believer in the saying that when you make people feel like they have to walk on eggshells, they're going to walk elsewhere. So, <laughs> so one of those things. So, uh, I was, uh, if I may. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I was, I was reflecting on this whole boundaries thing. I mean, it, it's, it's been a big topic for me in my last few years. I mean, I really should have learned about what healthy boundaries were uh, a lot earlier in my life. Now I got a seven-year-old. So it's like, <laughs> it's like relearning how to, relearning how to, relearning what they mean all over again. So um, the moment that um, Chazad brought it up, uh, I was really identifying with that. And if, any, and if anybody knows how to push boundaries, it's kids. <laughs> this is, you know, something, it just occurred to me. Well, someone brought it up. We laugh at ourselves. Chime and I, I mean, if I can't laugh at myself, what, you know, life's too short to be so serious. But we laugh at ourselves. We tell each other blind jokes sometimes. We laugh about, we joke about being blind. Or one time I, I got into the elevator with a friend whose name was Christian, and I went to push the button. And I came across this, this short person and I said, Christian? And the kid said, yes. The kid's, the little boy's name was Christian. That was studying. And I said to my friend Christian, you shrunk. And everybody in the elevator just laughed. You know, we have to laugh. We just, you know, I know I cannot take life if I cannot laugh and laugh at myself and just be jovial. You know, life's too short. I've got to laugh and live. Laughter is good medicine. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. So, Darcy, I think we're coming down on the last half hour. So I just want to make sure that we uh, cover everything you intended to cover, or at least as much as would be helpful to you. Is there any other topics or directions or uh, or do you want to maybe, I don't know if you can or want to tell us a little bit about this character that you're developing or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, I, I would like to, if I may. Go ahead. Um, I, so I wrote down a little bit, so I'm kind of half reading off what I wrote here. Um, I'll uh, I'll share a little bit about her. Um, I I can't I can't share a lot about my story, but um, at risk of annoying my lawyer, I'll I'll share a little bit about my character. Um, so the the main character of the story, her name's uh, Lolela. And uh, I call her Lo for short. And uh, she was once a passionate marine biologist uh, studying deep sea ecosystems, uh, really into um, getting in a submarine and going down really deep 
under the ocean surface. Uh, she's super hardworking, focused, quick-witted, a little bit fiery and sassy. Um, she, I like to say that she could out-curse any sailor and she could out-mop any deckhand. She loved the sea and her life purpose was to map, map the ocean floor. She had a nine-year-old son and a loving husband um, when a sudden disease that I do not quite yet fully understand um, resulted in her losing her vision. Lolela is now a middle-aged woman, and uh, she's really struggled emotionally with the loss of her sight. She uh, couldn't raise her son in the way that she was used to. Um, her husband was a good man, but he wasn't necessarily always there for her in the way that she needed. He was a, he was a military guy and, um, she was reluctant to ask for help or seek guidance with the change in her circumstances. And sometimes his way of coping with the distress of the whole situation was to leave. Um, she could no longer perform her deep sea exploration in the way that she was used to. And so she ended up losing her career and, uh, and more to the loss of her career than anything, she did not take that well. And she spiraled into a pretty dark depression. Um, she really pushed away anybody. She became a little bit poisonous and pushed away, um, anybody that she was close to her. And ultimately as her son grew up, um, she became a little bit estranged to him and she ended up divorcing her husband. So the beginning of my story is um, my main character is in a really, really low place, a really, really dark place. Um, and then the idea is that it of course goes up from there uh, for nearly 15 years. She's, she's struggled with the guilt, shame and resentment of all these changes that have come upon in her life. Um, and, um, and that's, and that's kind of, where it begins. She's a, she's a heck of a fighter though. And, uh, she will, all I will say is that she will eventually rediscover, um, connections to people in her life, uh, refine hope and purpose once again. And that's uh, that her name's Lolela. That's Lolela. Um, I can assure everybody she doesn't have any superpowers. Uh, and there's nobody swooping in to rescue her at all. Um, she's a real independent gal and, uh, part of the story is just going to be about, um, a large part of the story is going to be about kind of her emotional journey to kind of like, uh, resort out her life again. Awesome. Well, I certainly can't wait to see this when it's all said and done. Any questions, concerns, um, about anything that I just shared there. I do. Who's I do? Is she a real? Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Uh, I need you to say your name and Nikki. wait to be called. Okay, Nikki, go ahead. Is she based on a, a real person? No. She's a fiction. Joy. Is Nikki done? Yeah, done. Thank you. Okay, sorry. And then who was the next person that spoke? Joy. Okay, go ahead, Joy. Um, have you ever thought about finding a blind marine biologist and talking to them about how their career was managed? Because I am sure there's got to be at least one or maybe even many blind marine bio biologists out there. 
because the way your story starts out, it's making a blind person look like life's over. I mean, I would think after the first episode, people would be remembering that and thinking, whoa, people that are blind, their life is over. Um, I mean, if that's only going to be the first 10 minutes of the first episode, wonderful. But if it's going to be in, you know, either a weekly show or a movie where 30% of it is talking about her sad life, I would hate to have that out in the public's eye. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll just, if I may ask, um, answer some of Joy's questions. Um, I really hope so, Joy. I, I really hope oh. there is a blind, uh, a blind marine biologist that I can talk to. Um, that would be, that would be great. And, uh, I'd be super happy for any ways in which they can set me straight. Um, in terms of the story, it, um, it does start out in a very dark place. Um, Lolela will be part of an ensemble cast. And so there'll be, there'll be many people. She'll be one of many and her kind of hard luck. I'm giving, I'm giving an intimate kind of background of her to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to be, um, that's not going to be a major part. That's not going to be the only part of the story, I guess. Let's just say that's just going to be a big part of the background behind her um, that's kind of contextualizing the journey that she'll go on over the course of five seasons. Wonderful. Audio now. Yeah. As I try and go ahead. Um, Dar- uh, Darcy, I would say that um, uh, you want, I, in, in my view, you want something uh, not so much, uh, like, like Joy was saying, like a pity party, but also not something that's so unrealistic that somebody's thinking, oh, no, no blind person couldn't do that. Like, well, Long Street was the example that I was a TV show back in the uh, 70s. Uh, I'll talk about it more in my email to you later, where, you know, somebody was like getting murdered every week. Or you know, my mom made me watch it because it was a blind person in there. It was James Franciscus, but he wasn't blind. You know what I mean? And uh, so you want something um, based on reality as an educational tool for somebody else who's not blind, who's learning about us, you know, but not so way out there. that it's like, you know, you're like you're watching the Jetsons or something, you know. Agreed. I have a question. Is this a drama or a comedy? A drama. Robert. Okay, go ahead, Robert. So, Darcy, um, I'm just wondering if you can share with me how much this is going to um, portray low, um, struggling, raising her, her son. None at all. Her son will be all grown up. Okay. And the reason I ask that, Darcy, is because... Um, you know, there, there's still a stigma today that um, <clears throat> uh, blind, blind people are not that capable of taking care of their children. Um, and I would hate to have a um, another portrayal of people who are blind that struggle with that because really the majority of, of parents 
um, don't struggle. They just do things differently. So I just wanted to make sure it wasn't going to portray her struggling to take care of her son. I hear you. I agree. Uh-huh. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thanks, Robert. And go ahead, Sharon. Okay. You know, I think your story was right on in a lot of areas, and I identify with a lot of it. And it's very depressing to go blind as a young mother because I did it. But um, I got through it. But I hear what you're saying about pushing people away and going through the divorce. Honestly, sounds a lot like my life. <laughs> I got through it, though, thank heavens. And my daughter saved me, too, because I had to be her mom. So it wasn't exactly the same. But it's not to be looked at lightly. Going blind is pretty traumatic. But we get over it, we go on, and things are okay. So she had a happy ending next day. So did we all. That's it. Thanks, Sharon. Awesome. Anybody else want to say something? I think, um, you know, a really big thing for me for for this story is... Um, it's a big interest in my life. I mean, it's, it's a big interest in, uh, being able to talk with you all. It, it, and it's a big part of my story is this, it's this whole idea about how do we, how do we ask for help? How do we navigate the relationships in our life? How do, how do our lives overlap with other people's lives? What are, what are the connections between people, you know, in, in families, in communities and neighborhoods, how do those connections, um, shape people's capacity to cope with difficult circumstances? I knew it, I didn't have anywhere I was going with this. I just, mm-hmm. Okay. Just <laughs> um, I just, just want to say I'm looking forward to seeing it. So, um, can I add something? To wait, the, wait, uh, wait. Hang, hang, hang on. Okay, okay. I need people to say their names and wait to be called on because it makes it easier. So, was that Sharzad? No, this was yeah, Robert. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's sorry. A, <laughs> okay. Um, sorry. Okay, hold on. Let, let's get Sharzad, and I think we heard Robert's comments, but I'll, I'll send it back to Robert after Sharzad in case there was something else. Go ahead, Sharzad. Yes. Um, yeah, when I was hearing you, um, I think you were talking about her emotions and her feelings. So I'm not saying that, um, you know, you know better than me what you need to do about um, the story um, that you want to. Uh, make it as a film, but I think it's important for her to express her feeling and emotions with maybe some therapist or friends and then can get help to get to some, I don't know, orientation center for the blind that can help her to tra- to have a transition as a sighted person to uh, become a blind person and that can help her uh, to manage this situation and even though um, she's still struggling with different kind of um, situations. And so maybe 
adding that can help um, so she can express her feelings and her emotions better when um, so when the people watch the movie, um, they can see where she goes with her feelings and her emotions and even her thoughts process. Thank you, Sharzan. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny that you say about, you know, connecting to um, groups such as yours, because actually something that I, I wrote in here that I neglected to say when I was describing her is like, um, you know, like this is a character that I, I started writing about before I met Jillian. Um, but she's definitely kind of grown and changed in, in my imagination since. And um, I make no promises to anybody about what she will look like during the course of this process, because I'm going to, I'm going to go to sleep after this conversation and I'm going to wake up in the morning and I, I don't know how I'm going to feel about everything. So, you know, I might change everything tomorrow. I might not, I might not change anything. I might, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, uh, what I was feeling as I was kind of writing her description to you all is that she seems to be like somebody that didn't connect with your, your group, for instance. She's like, she's one of those people that just never connected with your group. Okay. So, so in other words, she, she didn't connect with other blind people. She kind of more or less, uh, figured it out on her own. Yeah. Didn't connect with support. Okay. Nikki has a question. Go ahead, Nikki, with your question. Hi, Darcy. Is this intended to be a feature or a, a cable movie or have you planned that far ahead? A feature television. So, like cable, uh, episodic, or no? That's that's right, episodic. Yeah. Ah, okay, cool. I'm gonna. Oh, do we have a title? I would love to watch for it. <laughs> um, when I can share the title, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. Yeah, we have to remember this is a work in progress, and I'm, right. I'm surprised he even shared as much as he did. <laughs> With us By the, the way, character. there is an episodic show called Work in Progress, which is hilarious. <laughs> Just had to say that. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks, Nikki. Um, let me circle back here a little bit. Robert, uh, did, did you have uh, other comments from before? Um, I didn't in the beginning, but I do now. Um, okay, go ahead. So, um, and again, what I was saying was, and sorry about that, Julian, I didn't say no my problem. name before. So, um, but I, I do look forward to when it does come out um, and seeing it. But now, as I heard Sharsad, I, I agree with her completely that it would be neat, even if you say that, you know, this person um, doesn't connect with blindness groups or so forth in her um, adventures. You know, that's OK, because lots of people do that, um, you know, and they 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 do just fine. So but I think it would really need, be neat if this is like, say, a three or four season episode or whatever it is that some point during the process, she uh, gets some um, blindness skills training, you know, how to travel properly and some some confidence building and so forth. And she comes back in the, the next episode, she's this great, you know, person that's just completely changed in her, her thought processes that, you know, I'm blind and, and I'm, I'm going to make life better and so forth. And, and people see that side of 
her because lots of people, they become blind later on in life um, and either middle years or later on in life and, and they go off and they get some training and they get some, you know, they, they mentally become a better person as well as um, learning the skills that they need to, to accomplish things in life. So I think that would be neat to see. Thanks, Robert. Or maybe have her volunteer at a place that maybe helps to mentor other blind people, especially younger people. That's another angle, too. Like, in other words, share what she's learned. Yes. So it's just a thought. Well, uh, I, any- I, I hope none of you guys are going to sue me later for this brainstorming. <laughs> No, I mean, no, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate Uh, you sharing it with us. So, not unless we get we uh, can make guest appearances or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I share. Nikki just wants to share one comment. Go ahead, Nikki. I promise you, Darcy. Sometime in the future, you're going to hear from either a friend or an acquaintance or just a name you don't remember from your past. And their attorney is saying that they should have a claim on because they had contributed <laughs> X, Y, and Z. I promise you, at least one. Thanks, Nikki. <laughs> well, that's life. <laughs> yeah. um, Julian, I thought that Tom might have uh, been stirring with a comment, and I wasn't sure if we'd skipped over him or not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tom, did you have a comment? Um, actually, I didn't, but um, I'll go ahead and say that as someone who works as <clears throat> a trainer at a nonprofit, uh, and the department that I'm in is called the Davidson Program for Independence. I've been there for 10 years. I've seen a lot of uh, people with, you know, come through for training, and we offer training in independent living skills, mobility skills, Braille. Uh, technology skills, which is my thing. And, um, we, you know, and I've seen a lot of people come through who, who, you know, were really sort of cast adrift by, you know, becoming blind later in life. And I've seen them blossom and I've seen them grow. And I, you know, I really think that, you know, uh, Having, you know, her go through Lola or whatever her name is, uh, get connected with a group that offers the breadth of training that we do, uh, is important. And there are success stories and she could be one of those. Uh, it, I, I see this time and time again. You know, people come through the program who really were absolutely clueless. They thought that their life was over, but yet, you know, because the the Department of Rehab said, hey, you know, you really need to connect with this group. Um, You know, give it a shot, go through it. And, you know, let's put a plan in place so that when you have acquired those skills, then you have a good idea of what you're going to be after uh, when you, when you come out the other side, 
you know, maybe you have a better idea of, well, I couldn't, you know, I used to do this, but now I can do that. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, the connection is, is very important. And, uh, the social aspects of, of interacting with other blind people, uh, and getting their perspectives on things. And, you know, she takes that in, takes some of it to heart and, and, you know, digests it and, you know, strengthens her resolve to improve her lot and, you know, really hopefully excel at what, whatever she wants to do. Thanks, Tom. And Tom, how, how, how often, um, how often do people or how often have you seen people go through life without support or, you know, without going through the program? Um, well, that's, that's hard for me to say. Um, I'm sure there are a, a lot of people who have not, but being involved in a day-to-day basis, it's, it's really hard for me to tell yeah, yeah. people are out there, but you know, as far as what she's gone through with the loss of the relationships and, and people who were with her and supported her. And then when they were confronted by her blindness, uh, you know, said, Hey, I can't deal with this. And so, you know, they're out of there. Uh, I've seen that time and time again. That's, you know, that's heavy. That's, that's, and it's, it's, it, it's saddening. It is, you know, there's a lot of anger around that kind of stuff because, you know, people, you know, they get so caught up in, in their situation. They don't have the empathy. They don't have the compassion, uh, you know, to, you know, support this person, to, you know, then that's a drag. So I think, you know, the, the one thing, you know, having lost that support, you know, being able to make that connection and being able to connect with people who, you know, are doing the adjustment, you know, in a, in a strong and healthy way, uh, is going to be a good motivator for her. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Sharon. Yeah. Wait, hang, okay. Hang on a second, Sharon. So Tom, are, are you pretty much done? Yeah. And Darcy, uh, you, uh, you don't have any questions for him? No, that's okay. Please go ahead, Sharon. Okay. Right, hang on. So, uh, we are coming up to the last five minutes here. So Sharon's comments, I think are going to be the last ones we're going to take and then we'll, we'll wrap things up by, you know, I, I don't want to keep anybody <laughs> longer than I said I would on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. So go ahead, Sharon. Okay. In my field as a mental health worker, I've seen a lot of blind individuals because it seemed like I was pigeonholed and I was the only blind clinician. So every time someone came into the office, they would assign it to me. So I did see, I have seen many uh, blind individuals who have not reached out and you're seeing people who are in a group because we're here, but there are a lot of people like your character who do not reach out to a group and they're floundering by themselves. 
and they are depressed and it's a lot harder for them. But there are numerous people who have not reached out. Um, and that's the only context where I saw them was in my work. And I try to get them connected, but they didn't always want to. So you're just seeing the other side of it because we're all involved in meetings. So yeah. that's, that's all. Good luck on your story. It sounds very interesting. Thanks, Sharon. All right. So I, I want to say a big thank you, Darcy, for coming and talking to our group and, and, and taking our feedback. And hopefully it will prove to be constructive and helpful. And I think to some degree, when, when this comes out and we all watch it, uh, we're going to feel like there's a little tiny piece of, of each and every one of us uh, in this character <laughs> as, no as we watch. <laughs> I, I I feel like Nikki wanted to be an attorney somewhere in life, but <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I really want to thank you for that. This, this has been a wonderful experience. I hope that you will keep us uh, in the loop. Uh, if, if if you want to do more brainstorming sessions, I, I think I can safely speak for this group that uh, we'd happy we'd be happy to, uh, to to help out and and give you more. And certainly we want to see this uh, product when it's finished. So hopefully you'll keep us in the loop and let us know uh, where we can watch this. And hopefully we will be able to. So uh, again, you you want to give your contact information if anybody here in the group or listening to this podcast later wants to reach out to you where they can reach you. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Um, so my name is Darcy McNeil and, uh, DM four, 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 four at hotmail.com DM four, fours at hotmail.com. Um, and, uh, super big, warm, uh, thank you to each and every one of you, um, for sharing and, uh, Lawsuits aside, Nikki. Um, <laughs> lawsuits aside, Nikki. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I do feel a part of Julian and part of you all um, in uh, this little journey to better educate me and um, envision this character. I, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, again, thanks everybody for uh, coming by and also for listening. If you're catching us later on Airs LA or the recording, this has been the Breaking Blindness Barriers Group. Again, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, my name is Julian Vargas. I can be reached uh, via my website, www.techjv.com. That's www.tech. J as in John, V as in Victor.com. And stay tuned to your inboxes because uh, we are just about to come up on uh, new stuff season coming from Apple, coming from Google, coming from some. We're going to have lots of fun discussions in, in the next few months uh, about new iOS versions, new iPhones, new everything. So watch your inboxes and uh, let you... Uh, participate. And again, uh, keep on breaking those blindness barriers and thank you all for listening.